This is Jeff Polstaway, Senior Editor for TND World. Welcome to the Line Life Podcast. We're bringing you stories of the grit, courage, and inspirational teamwork it takes to be a line worker. And our guest for the June 2023 Line Life Podcast is Randy Blazer, a journey level line worker for Ameren, Illinois. She's also the daughter of Susan Blazer, who is featured in part one of our Women on the Line series. For our fourth and final part of this series, Randy will share her story about how she got interested in the line trade and the challenges and opportunities she faces in line work. Husky Tools is proud to announce Women of Power, a new socially conscious, proactive program that presents powerful women and promotes their accomplishments in various industries. It is our mission to create awareness around training and educational opportunities while promoting strong women throughout the world. Our ultimate goal is to continue to provide opportunities for the betterment of women everywhere. See more at huskytools.com backslash women of power. Hello and welcome to the June 2023 Line Life podcast. My name is Amy Fishbach and I'm the field editor for Transmission and Distribution World magazine. Today I'm talking with Randy Blazer, a journey level line worker for Ameren, Illinois. Randy, thank you so much for joining us today for the Line Life podcast. Thank you for having me, Amy. Randy, you have both a mom and dad who worked in the line trade. What was it like for you to grow up in a family of line workers? Honestly, they used to talk about stuff in the kitchen and I had no idea what they were talking about. But now (laughs) today, I completely understand what they were talking about. (laughs) So Randy, what were some of your earliest memories of your mom and dad working as line workers? Probably as a rodeo. My mom frequents the rodeo quite often. She's gone every year. I've gone with her ever since third grade. So I think that's the first memory I have of it. Also, the take your kid to work day, too. That was a big part. They would roast weenies on the line and things like that. Oh, that's great. Can you talk a little bit more about your mom and dad's jobs in the utility industry? My mom worked at Kansas City Pairing Light as well as my dad. They did go through Kansas City Pairing Light's apprenticeship coming up. Then my dad became a supervisor for them. My mom left there and she went to Metropolitan Community College where she is there today. She is teaching the line tech program and then my dad retired and he works for RNS as a general foreman, schedules jobs for the guys, keeps everything in line running. Perfect. While at Missouri Western State University, you and a friend were invited to attend the climbing portion of a class at Metropolitan Community College. How did that inspire you to want to work in the line trade? My mom never pressured me. My, both my parents actually never pressured me into going to line work. And so when I was in Missouri Western, I was almost about to graduate, really undecided. So me and my friend Sharnice Lewis went down there. My mom was just, why don't you just come down and check it out? I mean, she didn't pressure me or anything. Went down there and I'm like, man, this is kind of cool. I like the group of guys. I mean, I'm not scared of heights, so that wasn't a big deal. But just the being outside and being busy and learning and doing different things, I just thought it was really interesting to me. And that's when I first took interest in line work. Just for me, it was just very interesting because I didn't know what to do. There's no way I'd sit behind an office every day. So it was kind of like, man, I really like what we do. And if this is what it's really like, then I could definitely see myself doing something like this. It's great. And not being scared of heights is probably easier for you to climb a pole than some people. So what was it like for you to climb a pole for the very first time? Um, Well, (laughs) 
it really wasn't that bad at all. It was nice being up that high. You could see a lot. Uh, you just have to trust your equipment. So I knew my belt. I knew I wasn't going anywhere if I gaffed out. So it was just kind of like, oh, this is awesome. And then you think you're up pretty high. And then you climb a taller pole and you're like, man, this is pretty high. Then you climb a taller pole and you're like, man, this is really high. <laughs> so. And then your first job in the industry was as a groundman truck driver. And what were some of your responsibilities in that role? I worked for Ameren, Illinois at the time. And some of my roles as a groundman truck driver was just to assist the crews. I couldn't climb at the time, but I could just get a better understanding of what the crews used in every day, learn the terminology that they used, learned what different material was. It was more of a stepping stone to the apprenticeship than a real groundman truck driver position. It was to get me in there for the guys to see if I could retain information, if I was good at taking directions, just a stepping stone to the apprenticeship. So just assist the crews as they needed and try to learn as much information as I could so that when I did take an apprenticeship, that things were just a little bit easier for me. So I had a little bit of a background with the material, with the guys, and with all that information. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea to kind of get you ready for the apprenticeship program. Yeah, and it was also for me to, is this really what I want to do? It gave me a glimpse into everyday life. Absolutely. And what was it like for you to be part of the apprenticeship program at Amarin, Illinois? Trust me, it wasn't easy for sure. There's a lot of responsibility for as an apprentice to learn things, to pick up things, to retain information. And luckily, I had some good guys that I could ask questions with, and they would take the time to teach me. And then there were some apprentices above me that you could ask information. There's apprentices below you that you had to teach, which I liked, because then it just helped reiterate the information to myself that, okay, I, I know this information, and I am retaining this information, and now i got to teach this information, which just helped me out a ton. Brandy, in your view, what are some things that work and don't work when it comes to training women for careers in the line trade, especially as a line worker? As far as women, they're just as equal as men in my eyes. Like, we could do the work, but yes, we might just not be, like, physically as strong, but we can find a way to do it. Like it just because we don't do it your way doesn't mean we can't do it at all. We just have to figure out a way that we can do it. We can do it safely. It just might look a little bit different. And with me being five foot, it, things look a lot different, especially with somebody I'm in the bucket. He's six, six. He can manhandle that. I wouldn't be able to manhandle that. So I got to figure out a different way to do it. So, Randy, you bring up an excellent point. I'm only 5'4", so I'm pretty short, too. So how do you manage work when, you know, your height is a challenge? What are some ways you kind of work around that? I just got to know your ability. And for me, sometimes height does have its advantages and sometimes it doesn't. But for me, it's every day. Like, this is the way I was born. I was five foot, and I just figure out ways to do it. Like I stated previously, you got somebody in the bucket that's six foot. I might have to be closer than he is. So I might put the bucket in a different position than he is, and he might be crammed up in there. So it's like it's so someone six, six in the bucket with someone five foot might not be too good. But when you're on the wood, you got somebody six, six and I'm five foot. I can stand up a little bit higher and we can be eye level with each other, which works out because then our feet aren't hitting together. So sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. It's just you could just go 
learn to live with it, learn to work around it. And it's a challenge, but it can still get done by the, at the end of the day. You recently topped out at Ameren, Illinois, and how do you feel about obtaining journey level status and how has that changed the type of work that you're doing in the field? It hasn't changed the type of work I'm doing in the field. It, it is a lot more responsibility as far as you're handed this ticket. All right, you're a journeyman. And now you're responsible for looking out for all the things that could go wrong. And then also you're trying to look out for apprentices and they're asking you questions and you're trying to look at the job scope. And it's a lot of responsibility. You signed up for it when you come an apprentice, and that's what you're trained for when you're coming up is to look for all these things. And if you were trained by a good group of guys, those guys will trust you. You'll be fine. But I feel like the responsibility level definitely, when I topped out, was a lot more than it was as an apprentice. Because as an apprentice, you're just worried about doing the work. You're there to learn. And so you're not really thinking of the whole scope of the job because you don't know that yet. You haven't made it that far yet. And as a journeyman lineman, you're looking at the boom going up in the air. You're looking at the apprentice, what they're doing, because you're not sure what they're thinking or what their process is. And you're making sure that your guy on the ground is good. And, and is there traffic that day? Are there dogs out that day? Is it hot? Like, there's just a lot of stuff that you have to think about. And Randy, can you describe the challenges of working the line trade? I know you talked about your height, but another one that women line workers often are challenged by is finding work clothes and personal protective equipment that fit properly. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you're able to manage that challenge? In the last couple of years, it's gotten tremendously better, but I'm like the 1% of the 1% <laughs> to say because <laughs> yeah. I am very petite for my size mm -hmm. and I'm also a woman in a man's dominated field. So I just feel like I'm 1% of the 1%. But if I can take whatever clothes I want and have Amarin pay to have them altered, but to come up with clothes that is actually like, I'm not here to make a statement and look pretty, right. but I'm in these clothes all sometimes. Day. Yes, yeah. I'm in these clothes all day. I Sometimes I'm in these clothes for 24 hours. I want clothes that are comfortable. I want clothes that look good. I don't want clothes that are baggy, that are made for men. I want clothes that actually fit me, contour to my body, and I would like to, to look nice. We are the face, basically. We are the ones out there actually doing the work. I don't want the public to see somebody who has baggy clothes on, who doesn't look good. I like to look good, and since I'm in those clothes 24 hours, it's nice to have clothes that fit. And what about gloves and boots and things like that? Boots are definitely a challenge. <laughs> mm -hmm. So especially with the, there's a lot of shortages with material going on right now. And for me to find boots right now is probably slim to none. And I mean, I can get a pair of, of nice Hoffman boots that are 18 inches tall that go to the bottom of my knee. But to walk around in those all day is not ideal. So just finding a good everyday pair of boots, right now I'm struggling with, I cannot find a pair. And my pair that I have right now are worn down. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. What about gloves? Because I know I talked to some of the early line workers and they said that was an absolute challenge just trying to find gloves. Uh, so with Amarin, I know that in the safety department, they do what they can to get me gloves. And I know... Coons gloves comes in extra small, extra, extra small, which nice. is super nice because I am an extra small and I love that glove and my hand is small. 
like I wear a seven in rubber good gloves. Mm-hmm. So I have a pretty small hand and anything that the guys can get, I can ask for and it can be made into an extra small and extra, extra small. So like right now we're big with the cut resistant gloves and I told the safety department, I'm like, you guys are switching these gloves. These gloves don't come in my size back in the storeroom. So they special ordered me a pair. So they're looking into getting me a smaller pair, but it's something that I have a hard time with, but it's also they, for as a safety standpoint, they have to find me something to wear. Right. And then as a line worker, of course, you often must respond to storms. I know you just got off storm duty last night. Um, first of all, can you talk about the storm that you recently had come through Illinois and then follow up with your most memorable storm response? I would just say last night we had a little blow through, nothing too dramatic. We call it four pages or I'm sure there's different things for different areas. So you get a call out, you show up, and then you kind of talk to the foreman. Hey, what's the plan for today? Are we in an area? We usually start with the biggest outages or we start with the wire burnings. We try to get those cleaned up that way that's safe for the public. Uh, so you just kind of look on the screen, see where you're going, and then we just start from there and you just start cleaning up and you get all your wire burnings and you go to your biggest outages. Is something you can do with two people? Is it something you could do with three people? Do you need to call another crew in? So we just start there and go from there. And then you said that your most memorable storm response is when you worked down in the Ozarks. Can you talk a little bit more about the damage and working conditions on that storm? Um, yes, I can. So there, I was still an apprentice at the time. My crew leader was Jason Adams. Good, super good guy to work with. Fun time always. And he loves to climb. He is a working foreman, as we call it. Um, he'll teach you anything and he'll stick his neck out for you at, at, at any point. We went down with him. It was tornadoes. It was pretty incredible to see. We didn't see too much damage because I don't know how we did that. We went to a smaller town like in the country. And then, but on the way down there, I just remember seeing truck after truck after truck after truck set up on pole after pole after pole. And it was just crazy to see. And then the town we were actually in, the people were super nice. It was either the beginning of summer, because I remember them bringing us ice cream and they were bringing us food. At one point at a stop and use the restroom, went to Taco Bell, even though they were closed down, but they were just letting people sit in there. I felt like we got really good work. We were always busy. We just had a very good time. Like I said, the people were super nice, which made it wonderful. And it wasn't too terribly hot yet, but it was hot enough to get ice cream. (laughs) But, But we just, there was another crew down there. We ended up meeting up with them and we changed out three or four poles in a matter of, I think, two days we were down there. And I just remember that storm just because of the quality of work that we got, the camaraderie of the guys. It was just a good time. I learned a lot because that was my first major storm that I went on. It was just a very good experience. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. And then what is a typical day like for you now as a line worker for Ameren, Illinois? You show up to the operating center, you have your safety meeting for the day, you figure out where you're going for the day. If it's Monday, you figure out what jobs you have for the day. 
they're all on the iPads now, which is a whole nother story. And then you get your material loaded up for the jobs you're doing. And then you head out and then you do the work. You come back in, clean off, and then, then you're done. What do you like most about your job in the line trade? Uh, just the versatile every day. I mean, you're outside every day, which is nice. I mean, it can get it. It's in the summertime, in the wintertime, it, it can get bad. But eventually, yes, you are kind of doing the same thing. But it's just always something different, especially on storms. Like you got to figure out certain situations, pull book a certain way. Now you got to figure out how to put it back, put it back safely. Or just like the diversity of the job. And Randy, what do you think are some obstacles women face when working on the line? Women aren't as strong as men, but women are definitely capable of doing what they can do. They just got to do it differently. And I just think with the way things are going with the power tools and, and all the advances that have been made, it's leveling the playing field for women. And I think that is fantastic because just you don't have to be the biggest dude or the biggest girl to do stuff now. Like if you're interested in the trade and you are mechanically inclined and you can do things and you can pick it up, you can do exactly what they can do. Yeah, that's great to hear. How do you get support from other women in the line trade? Are there other women that you work with yet, Amaran, Illinois, or do you um, belong to social media groups or connect in different ways? My mom is the big uh, social media person. She reaches out, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm kind of more of kind of sit back, do my own thing. If people have questions, I have no problem answering questions. Jody Reinhardt is actually at my operating center that I'm at now. When I first moved out here, I stayed with her. So she kind of gave me the lowdown of it, how things are here and helped me out with that. I know Paige at Kenzie Parent and Light, mm -hmm. she came out here and I had met with her because she did a, a boot camp with Amarin. So I've met her before. I've seen her at the rodeo. I've talked to her because my mom's talked to her. And then there's also Drew Otto here at Amarin, Missouri. Uh, she was my roommate for a little bit. She went to my mom's program. She got a job out here. So I kind of took her in and if she had any questions and we still talk and so I mean there is a little social network I do follow a couple people on Instagram I do follow the Facebook group drawing a blank on the name right now is that line ladies yes I think it is yeah. yes yeah Your mom told me about that yes yeah so I'm not super vocal on there but I do follow and so but I know my mom's the big social media wig with that so yeah, I just, no, she does a great job. I, yes. I think it's awesome that, that she's doing that. Um, in addition to working as a line worker, you also have twins, Rainy and Beckett, who are almost a year and a half old. How do you juggle working as a line worker and taking care of the twins? Ugh, here we go. So <laughs> it's hard, I'm sure. Oh, yes. All I can say is they are very good. They sleep well. They're, oh, I, you're lucky. I just, yes, I just got very, very lucky, actually. When I first came back, I wasn't sure what I was going to do because we have a call-out percentage that we have to meet every six months. And so I was a little worried about that because I am originally from Kansas City. I moved out to Illinois on my own. So my support system, as you would say, is not 
very good out here. I don't have my mom. I don't have my dad. I don't have my sisters. I don't have my brothers. And I don't have my friends out here because I know they would all be willing to babysit if I needed to. So, but I have met a family took me in, basically adopted me per se, and they love those babies. And so they watch them. I meet my mom at Columbia, Missouri if I need to. And it's hard, but we have a season where there's storms. So we call it storm season. So around that time, my mom really likes to take the baby. She'll take them for a week at a time. And I have recently found a babysitter. Her boyfriend works for Amarin, so she understands the whole on-call thing. Oh, so that's great. It, oh, my gosh. It has helped me. She has saved me so many times. But I just I text her, hey, you want to babysit? I try to give her a heads up because we have a list and like right now, I'm at the top of that list, so I'll get called first. I give her a heads up. Hey, I'm thinking about working this week. I'm at the top of the list. And she just says, okay. So that lets me know that I can take calls. And when that happens, I try to take as many calls as I can to get my percentage up. That way, when she can't baby, it doesn't affect me or my percentage. So that has helped me tremendously. So when she finds a job, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great to have that. What is your advice to other female line workers? about balancing motherhood and line work, especially when you go out on storms. It sounds like you have kind of a, between your mom and the babysitter, have some help with the twins, but. I honestly have no idea how I'm doing it. I just got lucky with the babysitter, but with my mom only being four hours away, it's still a huge help when she can take them. And then the family that uh, Lauren and Paula, they watched the babies as well, which was super helpful. So I have kind of gotten a little network out here, but as I, honestly, I could not tell you. I just got lucky. I honestly did get very lucky out here with the babysitter and the adopted family. And I, I honestly, I have no idea how it all placed so perfectly, but it just did. Oh, that's great. What is your advice for other women who are looking at careers in the utility industry? I would say definitely do it. And if nothing knocking men, but... <laughs> They do not know what females have endured doing this. So my advice would be if you're going into this program, I would full on push my mom's program just for the fact that she knows what it's like and she can give you the information that you need to better help you in this industry. I know for a fact that she takes pride in her job and like for me, proper fitting equipment is super key. And I know a lot of programs, they just kind of, here's a belt. How tall are you? Here's your belt. Here's your hooks, things like that. My mom fits you for a belt. She fits you for hooks. She wants that equipment to fit, which is awesome because you're in that equipment. You might be on that pole for six hours. You have no idea how long you're going to be on that pole. And I think to be in good equipment, especially for females and Females, we might climb a different way. We might, we might learn a different way. I fully believe that if you're going to be successful in this industry, finding other females and picking their brains and getting that information will truly help you in the long run. Randy, what do you see in the future for women in the line trade? I think females are getting more and more out there and it's becoming like the... Social media, I think, has helped a ton because people from all over can connect. 
And I think that the more the word gets spread that you don't have to be this big burly person to do line work and you can do what the men can do and the power tools are level playing field. And I think that the industry with females in it is going to go up. It might not be equal with men, but I just I definitely think it has gone up lately and it's just going to continue to go up. Randy, thank you so much for taking out time out of your busy schedule to talk to us for the Lion Life podcast. We enjoyed having you on the show, and we know you have a bright future ahead of you at Amarin, Illinois, and in the Lion Trade. Thank you. Husky Tools has the widest selection of line worker tools and equipment across every essential utility category. Born and raised in Chicago, Husky features the largest assortment of hydraulic cutting and compression tools powered by the industry's most powerful battery platforms. Husky Tools, line worker proven and utility approved since 1976. See us at huskytools.com and mention this podcast and we'll throw you a new Husky Tools shirt. This episode of the Line Life podcast was written, recorded, and edited by Amy Fishbach. It was produced by Jeff Postelway. That's me. To listen to past episodes, please visit tdworld.com backslash podcasts or find us on Spotify by searching for Line Life. You can also drop us a message at linelifepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com with your comments on this episode. We'd love to hear from you. And please follow this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to be updated on when new episodes are released. Just head to the show description and see where you can find us on social media. Thank you for listening to the Line Life Podcast.